Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We will finish verse 18 today. Um, we are in the latter part. We're actually looking at different aspects of this verse. And uh, <clears throat> over the last couple of weeks, two weeks, we, we've been looking at the aspect of not being in fear of judgment. And um, let me just read this and then a quote that will bring all that together. The Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That is a very powerful verse. He goes on to say, Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So in his commentary, I. Howard Marshall writes, Fear and love cannot coexist. This is why a person who stands in a relationship of love to God can look forward to the future day of judgment without fear and apprehension. So I think that really sums up what the Apostle John is really bringing out here, although this verse has a lot of other applications. Amen? And, uh, you know, as much as I love to... <coughs> this is one of the things that used to really uh, bother me. <laughs> this is a, a mini soapbox. Uh, one of the things that used to just bother me was, you know, people that would preach application only. And so you would get all of these things about this verse that not necessarily were what this verse was exactly talking about. Even though the concepts were all right. You all know what I'm trying to say? The thing is that every verse has, generally speaking, one interpretation, but countless applications. And so this is one of those verses that has so many applications. People don't usually go with the interpretation, the strict interpretation of it. But what I want to do is give you both. Are you all with me? Okay, and so that's the reason why we've been looking at this, because I think just in the interpretation of it, where it belongs, there is something really significant about it. And that is, you know, at the end of our life, and remember the Apostle John is writing this at the end of his life. Amen? You know, we start thinking about eternity. We do start thinking about, have we lived our life the way we should have? Are we going to be pleasing to God? Is he going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or as Andrew says, is he going to say, well... And no done. <laughs> you know? No, and you're done. You know? Okay, And, uh, you know, I, really, it is important that we look at those things. Because I re still remember back when we were first in ministry, you know, uh, they had interviewed some old people. And one of the things that they brought out was that, if, that they wished they had more time to reflect on their life so that they could have lived it better while they had the opportunity. And now they were in their twilight years and there was not much they could do. And I always remembered that, you know, and God really, I guess, impressed it on my heart. And he said, I don't want any of my people to have any regrets at the end of their life. Amen. And so he said, one of the, one of, one of the things that you need to do, one of your jobs, <laughs> okay, is to make sure that you give them weekly reflection times. Make sure that they have this up front so that they can look at their lives, they can evaluate their lives, and they can go to, you know, they will go to God and say, God, where, you know, where do I need to adjust my life so that I'm living it better, so that I'm doing the things that are pleasing to you? Amen? So that I'm not going to have a regret at the end. Hallelujah. You really want to live that kind of life, family, by the way. And so that's the reason why I want to bring all this out as I'm teaching it, because the Apostle John, you know, like I said before, he was the apostle nobody could kill because he knew stuff. He knew things that were unique, and he knew things that obviously the other apostles didn't know. You know, while they were getting martyred, they couldn't do that to this guy. He, <laughs> he just refused to die, you know. Amen? I think that is extraordinary. 
I'm putting my hand up here, okay? All right, so it, with relation to that, that's the reason why I want to bring this out, and I really want us to get to the place where we are, you know, we're living our lives pleasing to God, that we're living our lives so that in that final day of judgment, there's not going to be an issue there. In fact, I want us to be excited about that day, not dreading that day. Amen. Moving on. In Psalm 27 and verse 1, I really like this. The psalmist says, the Lord is my, this is Psalm 27, verse 1. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. I really love this. I'm going to stop there for a minute. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Remember again, we're talking, you know, talking about this in relation to that final day of judgment. Notice how he says, the Lord is my salvation. Can I just shorten it for a second? Okay. He is my light. He's very powerful too. But I just want to bring out this aspect where he says, the Lord is my light and he's my salvation. And he goes on to say, whom shall I fear? Isn't it interesting that he, he has come to a place that he knows that God will save him, not only in eternity, but right now. <laughs> Nothing can come against him. And I know uh, Pastor Andrew loves the Psalms. If you've Seeing the backyard blessings, you know this. Okay, so hopefully I'm not stealing some of these. <laughs> and, then he just, and he starts in Psalm 1 and works forward. Okay, so, which by the way, I love Psalm 1. Okay, it was the thing that I started my meditation on. You know, blessed is the man that walks out in the way. Okay, anyway, let's not go there. All right, so <laughs> it's wonderful the way it starts with the blessing, isn't it? So anyway, back to this. So he says in Psalm 27.1, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the... I love this. The Lord is the strength of my life. I, I like that he didn't say that I have to be strong. Now, in the New Testament, and I said this before, so let me repeat it. We are told to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We know that. Why? Because we're God's children now. You know, remember back then, they were not new creatures. They were still the old creatures running around. <laughs> and God used the stick and the carrot method, you know what I mean? Tempt, tempt, tempt. Tempt them to do the right thing and smack them if they do the wrong thing. Kind of idea. Not that he did, but that was the idea that they had about God. Which is why Jesus said, you know, it's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to give you life, life more abundantly. But the thing is that... The, you know, God was a God that needed to deal with them in a different way. Today, we have God living in us. Amen? And that's the reason why it says that the Lord works with us in Mark chapter 16. All right? Back then, God had to work for them basically all the time. Because there was no God in them to do anything. Are you all with me? So, but I want you to notice this. In that time, you, do you all understand that the same truths apply to us today? If he says that Lord is my strength, then we can say the same thing today, more so than ever. Because not only is God our strength, God, the God that is our strength lives inside of us. So how much more strength do we have? And why the Apostle Paul says, be strong in this kind of strength, in his strength. Amen? Be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. So, but I really love this. He says, the Lord is the, the strength of my life. And he says, of whom shall I be afraid? Notice the fear aspect here. There's, you know, let's bring this back in. He has so much confidence in God and his ability to look after him. He said, what, who should I be afraid of? There's nothing that I should be afraid of. Understand something that fear robs you of your strength. We're going to look at that when we get to 2 Timothy 1.7. Amen. When it says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. First thing you get is power. I think it's really interesting. I would have finished the verse with power. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? But he, he starts the thing with power. Because, and isn't it interesting that the, the Christian community on the whole doesn't care about the power of God? 
as much as humility and submitting to God and everything else. And the first thing that the Apostle Paul says is, we haven't been given the spirit of fear, but of power. And I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's get back to this. Okay, we'll get there in just a minute. Okay, <laughs> let me get through this first. Now, further to this, Simon J. Kistemacher says, they who have lived in fellowship with the Father and the Son have nothing to fear. Again, we're coming back to this idea of there is no fear in love. Perfect uh, love casts out fear. He who fears has not been made perfect in love, okay? Because they don't have that relationship with God. So it, with that in mind, he says, they who have lived in fellowship with the Father and the Son have nothing to fear. They will hear the words, listen, acquitted from the lips of Jesus. He will say to the Father, I have paid it all. Hallelujah. I thought that was significant. See, one of the reasons why we fear is because of sin in our life. It causes us to be afraid that maybe because we did this wrong or that wrong and Satan has found a way in, that maybe we won't succeed. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? And so we have this kind of fear of, yes, we know God's perfect, but we know we're not perfect. And this is a truth, okay? Uh, can I just say none of us are perfect? But we have 1 John 1, 9, which puts us back in a place of perfection. Not close to, but absolute perfection every time we pray. <laughs> okay? So, <laughs> you know, in our life, we kind of look like this. Okay, so we sin and we go down and then we pray and boom, we're back up to not 99.99%. Like they say, you know, things kill the germs, you know, 99.9%. Okay, <laughs> all right? It's, not, it's actually 100%. There's absolutely nothing that the devil can find wrong with us. Whenever we pray that. So we have this, the, you know, thank God, the promise of God to take us back to a place of absolute perfection. So that the next time we sin, listen, is the first time. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Okay. I, I think that's awesome. And so we need to understand that that was because he paid it all. Because Jesus died and paid the price. That's why we can have confidence on that last day. Because as much as we think that God's going to turn to, a, you know, our store, you know, this is your life. You know, they remember those, that, that this is your life thing, okay? <laughs> you know, you get embarrassed, what are they going to find? But, you know, they're going to turn to the pay and find nothing wrong. If you, this is what the Catholics kind of figured out, by the way. Uh, and much as we were throwing rocks at them, and I didn't, but much as we were, well, I guess at one time I did, that was wrong, sorry about that. Anyway, have repented and moved on. But, you know, as much as we would throw rocks at them, you know, that, that confessional, you know, that final last rites, thank you very much. Do you know that, that that should be a first John 1 9? That's the kind of, you know, you, if you have anything, confess it, acknowledge it now. Get rid of it so when you get to heaven, it's all gone. Amen? You get that. There might not be a lot you did well, but there won't be anything that you did wrong. Get the revelation. It's a huge one. Why? Because Jesus paid for it with his life. Let's move on. That's what the Apostle Paul brings out in 2 Corinthians 5.21 when he writes... For he, that's, uh, sorry, we said that quickly, didn't I? 2 Corinthians 5.21, I'm talking fast because I've got a lot to get through. It says, for he, that is God the Father, made him, God the Son, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen? So God, Jesus was made sin with our sin, and we took on his perfection, is a short way of saying it. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. That is, that. That's what love did for us. And that's why the Apostle John said previously in 1 John 4, 16, just two verses before, when he said, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. And see, he had come to the place where he didn't only know, he believed. 
Do you understand that believing takes effort? You need to believe. Amen. You know, somebody... <laughs> no, let's not go there. All right, so it'll take too long. I have got a lot, lot of uh, territory to recover here. It is faith in God's love or knowing and believing the love that God has for you that drives out fear. Did you get that? It drives out fear because they can't exist together. I want to give you a quote in just a minute. In fact, here it is. As one commentator put it, love and fear are completely incompatible and cannot co coexist in the same consciousness. Did you all get that? This is where we now move to general applications of this. Okay, and I want to do this because as much as there is a specific application to it, I also want you to get the power behind this verse from a general point of view. Okay, are you all ready? So here we go, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. You all know I was going there, right? Okay, <laughs> okay. Second Corinthians, uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. The Apostle Paul writes and says, and I really want you to listen to what he says. We read this, we speed read this. I want you to listen to what he says. He said, for God, the first thing he mentions is God. And he mentions God in the way of this is not from God. This is not of God. God will never give you anything like this. So if you're dealing with this, it didn't come from God. <laughs> okay, did you all get that? So he says, for God, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if you got a spirit of fear, it didn't come from God. Don't stand there and go, I know God loves me, but, you know, I'm afraid. No, you can't do that. You can't say that in the same sentence. If you say that, then we go back to 1 John 4.18, where he says, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. <laughs> Did you get that? Amen? Okay. So, he says here, God has not given us a spirit of fear. I want you to notice that he didn't say fear. He said a spirit of fear. Do you understand when you have a spirit of fear, it is something that dogs your life. It is something that is supernatural. It is something that, you know, there's some people that just get afraid for every little thing. You know, they just live a fearful life. They may not realize it, they may not know, and, but in their conversation, when they say things like, well, I'm afraid, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, do you understand? When you say, I'm afraid, you're living a fear-filled life. Our, our language seems to be riddled with fear and, and doubt. and You know, even Thomas, you know, I doubt that. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just got all of that. And, and um, this is something, I, you know, I said this before. My job here is to give you, I'll bring you to a place where you step out in faith. See, there, I said this at the end of the last session after I finished praying, and I thought maybe I should have said it in the middle somewhere. <laughs> so I'm going to share this with you right now. Do you know when Jesus said, if you can believe all things, I think that's Mark 9.23 or something, I think something like that. He says, if you can believe all things are possible. All things are possible to him that believes. But you need to believe. Which tells us something that God, when he said, let us make man in our image and our likeness, put something on the inside of us in the same way that he created everything out of nothing, so to speak, that he gave us that same ability. That he said, there is something in you. The world has, has convinced us that if we don't have it around us, we're not going to have it. But God has said something else. If you have it in you, you'll have it out there. 
Listen. So there was a very powerful thing taken away from us. And we started to work at how do we manage the things we have around us and how do we, you know, make the most of what we have around us. We never learned how to, to, to bring to pass something from in us. We never learned if you can believe, something will happen, <laughs> okay? You know, Jesus, you know, when they ran out of wine, remember that? He said, fill up the water, it was pots with water, and then what happened? Do you know he didn't say anything? Have you all realized that? The next thing he says is, go and give it to the governor. And he's like, but Jesus, you didn't do your thing. You didn't say, water, become wine. You, <laughs> you, you need to say something, don't you? Obviously not. Because he, was, he, he just believed. If you can believe. He didn't say if you can say something. Now, he tells us how to start this process when he talks about mountains. In Mark chapter 11. But in this, he tells us a more advanced, I believe concept of if you just can believe you don't even have to say as you start to believe something it will begin to happen we see that with the centurion we see that in so many different places where you know he remember the guy at the pool of bethesda do you know he didn't even say he didn't say anything to the guy he just said get up he didn't say be healed the be healed part would be okay everything is working now now get up are you all with me you really need to pull that apart a little bit to understand what happened there Obviously, he believed. He just believed. It happened, and he said, get up. Obviously, the guy felt something happen, which he said, yeah, I know, I can, right? Woohoo! look at this. I think that's extraordinary. So there is something there inside of you. And so let me just move on. But I want to share this with you because this is what my job is, is to get you to the place where you begin to believe. The first miracles that will come your way will seem natural. They'll come from the natural realm and God will move things miraculously around to bring things to you. Hallelujah. That's a miracle. Don't ever underestimate the power of that, okay? Because God is just a master at those things, all right? And he can find things that you didn't even know you had, okay? And bring things to you. He will do that. Hallelujah, praise God. But there is something even beyond that. And that's what I'm talking about when Jesus said, if you can believe. Amen. He said, you can have whatever. That's the Roche version, okay? <laughs> all right, let's move on. So that's what I'm trying to do with you is say you need to move away from fear and move into into love into faith see love is the thing that counteracts fear the the the, the how can i put this the confidence that you have that god loves you results in mountain moving faith because whenever you start to fear you go no god you will not let this happen to me that's where it starts, okay? Why? Because you, you know and believe the love. Can I just say that? Okay, you know it's God's love, right? You know and believe God's love for you, so you just will not accept things to come into your life that take away from you. You go, no, 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 <laughs> all right? And that then leads to, let's move some mountains, shall we? Are you all with me? Okay, and you begin to believe, and things, mountains get nervous around you, and they should. Amen. All right, let's move on. That's enough. Are you getting where I'm coming from? Okay, so let's continue on with this. So he says, for God has not given us a spirit of, of fear, but watch now, he says, but of power. Can I say a spirit of power? And I will prove it to you in just a minute. Okay, allow me this. All right, but a spirit of power and of, a, of love and a sound mind. Okay, now let's look at 
what the spirit of power is. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And let's look at verse 8. <laughs> Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Let's take this uh, one at a time. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, of fear. So what has he given us? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus is speaking here. He says, but you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There's your spirit of power. Did you get that? He said, listen, this is something that you need to have. In fact, in Luke it says, go and tarry until you are endowed with power from on high. Okay, I didn't want to put too many scriptures here. <laughs> and then here it is in Acts, where he comes and says, you shall receive power. This is, this is an absolute surety. And we know in Acts chapter 2 it happens, right? The Holy Spirit comes down and all sorts of stuff begins to happen. And then in Acts chapter 10, I think, and onwards. We, we just see this happening all over the place. Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles get it. And, you know, that's when they realize that God is no respecter of persons because the Gentiles get the Holy Spirit as well. They were talking in tongues. All this stuff was happening, all right? So understand something. That power is spiritual. This isn't something natural. This is something spiritual. The reason this is important is you need to understand that the Holy Spirit in your life brings power with him. And so it allows you to counteract, to fight, to oppose the spirit of fear that might try to get on you. Are you all with me? Amen? And you really need to allow this to work. As for love, like I said, i got to keep moving. I'm sorry. As for love being of the Holy Spirit, that's brought out in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, where the Apostle Paul says that the love of God, this is Romans 5, 5, the latter half of verse 5. Okay, it says, Romans 5, 5, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Did you, is that up there? Okay, Romans 5, 5. Okay, so he says the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God has been poured out into our hearts. Now, not only does the Holy Spirit bring power with him, but he brings love as well. See, this is the reason why that it, the Apostle Paul says we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, which is the Holy Spirit, who brings love and love. Okay, that's why that's the second thing. And that all leads to a sound mind. You know, if you're not living in fear, can I say this? If you're not living in fear, if you're living in this kind of power, oh, dear God, you know, your thinking will straighten out. It, you know, when we're scared, we do dumb things, <laughs> okay? But when we are centered, when we are focused, we do the right thing. We, we are led by the Spirit. We make all the right decisions. We never regret anything that we do. Because usually we're hearing God and God is leading us by His Spirit and telling us what to do, when to do it, how to do it, dot, 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 all the other things that follow that, okay? And so everything that we do is according to His perfect will, His plan for our life. And when it is, it never fails. Amen. Amen. Okay. But I want to show you something anyway in the scriptures regarding this, okay? So, yeah, I told you I give you scripture for everything. So turn to Ephesians chapter 4. That's Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> I've said here, when we have both of these working in our lives, it leads to a spiritual renewal of your mind, which leads to a fearless, transformed life. I like that. Amen. A fearless, transformed life. Okay? And why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, I'm looking at verses 23 and 24. He begins in verse 23. Oh, he doesn't begin. We're in the middle. It's a very long sentence. I thought it would start in the middle. Okay? It says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Watch how he puts that. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I'm reading from the New King James here. 
verse 24, and he says that you put on the new man which was created according to God. That's what you need to renew your mind to. That you have put on something that he says here was created. This is in verse 4, Ephesians uh, 4.24. That was created according to God. Isn't that amazing? What does that sound like? That we are new creations. Amen. All things are of God. Hallelujah. All right. And I love the next thing he says. Which was created according to God in true righteousness and can I say, true holiness. Oh, that's amazing. So this wasn't filthy rag righteousness, <laughs> okay? This isn't what the Old Testament talks about. This is God's own righteousness. You were created in this way. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's move on. Next in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul says in no uncertain terms, I really love this. We're moving on, okay? <laughs> All right. He says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. I want you to notice how bondage, fear brings bondage. Bondage and fear go hand in hand. Can I say it that way? And notice he says, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But I really love this. He says, you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba or Daddy, Father. I really love this. Notice what, where the opposition, where the counteract comes from. It comes from understanding that God is our daddy. See, it goes back to love, doesn't it? Daddy is a loving term, okay? That's when a little child, you know, if, if this was a little one of those children, they would come and go, Abba, Abba, you know, because <laughs> Abba bought him a doll, or oh, not him, her a doll, okay? <laughs> uh, him a car, okay, or whatever. All right, <laughs> whatever, okay? It would be one of those terms where it's a very affectionate term. And that's why, you know, we, we really don't catch this until we, if we can understand that language, then we'll understand the, the, the um, I don't know how to put this, the love that is attached to that word. It is a very loving word. There's father, which is formal, but there is daddy, there is like papa, you know, that sort of a thing where you'd sort of say that and it's, it's so different, okay? So, and that's what this, this is bringing out, that we haven't received this, again, as he put it, a spirit of bondage again to fear so we are not in bondage anymore if any if you know if we ever feel like we are in bondage over something listen now you come and say to me oh I, i'm afraid that <laughs> there we go there's a fear okay i'm afraid that i'm in this kind of bondage listen the apostle paul says you have not been given this by god are you all with me in other words he's saying reject it if it's not of God, it's not of God. It doesn't belong on you. It should have no place in your life. That's why he says again that we did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. I want you to notice that he says that you have received something else, a spirit of adoption, not a spirit of bondage, but a spirit of adoption. Okay, that we are a part of God's family. Where does that come, uh, bring us back to? First John 3, I believe in verse 1, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Verse 2, now we are the children of God. See that? There it is. There's the adoption. Okay, we're in. We're part of his family. Okay, hallelujah. Let's move on. I've said you notice that fear and bondage go hand in hand. It robs us of our strength and courage. And why the Lord says to Joshua in Joshua 1.9, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you? 
Be strong and of good courage. See, this is, the whole body of Christ needs one of these. <laughs> one of these injections, okay? One of these shots of be strong and of good courage. You know, this is the kind of courage that stands in the face of adversity and doesn't back off. There's bad courage, obviously, that stands for a little while and goes, forget this. I gave a little example in the morning, <laughs> which tickled my daughter. You know, I, was, I remembered Mulan, you know, when they were, they said, let's go help her. And they all run, and then there's an avalanche coming, and then it, they go, oh, forget that. <laughs> and they turn and run the other direction. And so they should, because they're going to die otherwise. <laughs> but, you know, but there's that in a fight as well. You know, some Christians kind of go, that's it, I'm taking on the devil. And they start going in, and they go, and it gets a little bit hot and a little bit hard and a little bit too much for them. And they kind of go, oh, this is a bad idea. I'm going the other way. That's bad courage. So obviously, if there's good courage, there's not, there's not good courage as well. So notice he says, be strong and of good courage, which means a courage that won't fail. Can I say it that way? Amen. <clears throat> and he says, do not be afraid. He just said, I, I, you know, I love God. doesn't take 600 you know, sessions to counsel you to say, don't be afraid. He just turns around and says, be strong, be of good courage, don't be afraid. And he tells you why. He, he says, nor, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He says, I'm going to be there by your side with you every step of the way. Today, he says, I'm in you wherever you go. <laughs> okay? So when you walk in, I'm walking in. <clears throat> Amen. Back then, all he could do was be with them. But he's still with us today. You all know that, right? As much as he's in us, he's also with us. All right? But you need to understand that he says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. He says, I'm with you. The thing, the reason that he says, don't be afraid, is because when you, when you walk in, you know, when you um, become fearful, you stop listening to God. You start paying attention. You see, you have to pay attention to the circumstances. Remember Peter walking on water? He suddenly noticed the boisterous, the wind and everything else. And then he started to sink. But while he had his eyes on Jesus, he wasn't sinking. He was walking on water. And we need to do the same thing. We need to keep our eyes on God. And as long as we keep our eyes on God, then it won't matter what's going on. And the devil will use all kinds of things around you to try and get your eyes off God back onto him. What we need to do is learn how to keep our eyes on God regardless. Are you all with me? And not be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. Keep your eyes on God because he is with you every step of the way. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Let's move on. <laughs> Hallelujah. So further to this. So again, we're looking at <laughs> we're, 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 we're looking at the fact that there is no fear in love. Hmm? That perfect love casts out fear. It won't allow fear to exist in your life, which means that you can walk in a kind of faith that you have never experienced before. Amen. That's why it is the same apostle that's going to say in chapter 5, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Do you know why? Because he walked in this kind of assurance of God's love for him. Are you with me? Amen. <clears throat> That's why we shouldn't jump straight to that verse, because we all don't know what all was based on. Now you're getting, a, you're getting an insight into where all of that came from. Amen? <clears throat> all right, so further to this, God himself promises us in Isaiah chapter 41. So let's go to Isaiah 41 and verse 10. You all know this verse, okay? He says, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not. 
He says, for he didn't say, I think about being with you. If I can schedule you in. You know, that's a very busy week. I got all sort of universe stuff to do. That will never happen, okay? <laughs> that's fantasy land. That's, you know, Mr. Rock, whatever. Anyway, that, that's not a real thing. Listen, God says, fear not. And I want you to understand that he says, I am with you. See, again, that will only mean something to you if you know and believe the love. Did you get that? As a father would say, son, daughter, don't worry. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. And you go, woo, dad's with me. They better be afraid. <laughs> you know, that's what you're going out with. Hallelujah. And he says, be not dismayed, for I am your God. Now, watch this. He says, I will strengthen you. I want you to watch all the I wills. Okay, here we go. He says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Did you get all of that? He said, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. I will strengthen you. I will help. So not only does he strengthen you, but he'll also help you. He won't say, well, I've strengthened you. Go do it yourself now. Don't look for any help. <laughs> okay? No, he said, not only will I strengthen you, but I will help you as well. I'll help you along the way. And what else? Just in case you trip anywhere, I'll uphold you. Hallelujah. And I love that he says with my right hand, my righteous right hand. Anyway, all of this hinges on the fact that God loves us and will always be there for us if we let him. Did you hear that? If we let him. There's a lot of people that jump out. There's a lot of people that, you know, God says, be strong. And they go, I can't. I just can't. And they're out. Listen, man, you need to do your part in order for God to do his part. Can I get an amen on that, please? Amen. Okay. And why the psalmist says in Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4, we're finishing with these verses. I wanted to finish with this because I, just in case somebody says, yeah, but there are days that I am afraid. And fair enough. So we're back to Andrew's favorite things in the Bible. We're back to the Psalms. Okay. <coughs> Yay. <laughs> okay. In Psalm 56 and verse 3. Psalm 56, 3. He says, when I am afraid. So notice, I'm going to be, I told you, you know, God is perfect, we're not. Okay? And there are times when we are not. And like I said, 1 John 1.9 will get us back to a place of perfection. But there are times when we're not. So this is one of those not times, all right? He says, when I'm afraid, he, watch this, he says, I will put my trust in thee. This is going to turn around now. Because when he says, when I'm afraid, he says, I will put my trust in thee. And that is something that he does as a part of his will. That will make a difference, family, because watch what go, he goes and says in verse 4. You need to understand that verse 3, when he, when he does what he says he's going to do in verse 3, it results in what he says in verse 4. Did you all get this? Okay. All right. And then he says, in God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. Watch now. He says, I shall not be afraid. He started out by saying, when I'm afraid, I trust in God. But then he says, listen, I have put my trust in God. Now I'm not afraid anymore. Hallelujah. And he says, I, uh, he says, I shall not be afraid. What can I, uh, like, this is from the New American Standard Bible. He says, what can mere man do to me? Do you know why he says that? Because he trusts in God and he sees compared to God, everything else is mere nothing. It's mere man, a mere problem, mere so-called impossible God doesn't have the word impossible. Do you all know that? 
It's not in his dictionary. In his dictionary, it gets to impossible, and it says all things are possible. What's your problem? <laughs> Amen. Okay. Finally, in his commentary, let's finish with this. Simon J. Kissamaka puts it so well when he writes, As faith and doubt cannot coexist together in the heart of the believer, so love and fear have nothing in common. And that's the reason why the Apostle John says again, with such surety, as we conclude in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out. It will not put up with. It won't allow fear. It casts out fear. Amen? And he says, because fear involves torment. This is the reason why it casts it out. And then he goes on to say, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. In other words, he's saying, listen, if you, after all of this, tell me you're still afraid, then you, you need to understand that you haven't perfected or come to a place where you truly understand how much God loves you. You haven't been perfected in that yet, and you need to spend more time in that so that you do come to a place where that love is perfected in you, and it will cast out everything that is not of God out of you. Amen? And that includes fear. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you, Father, for this